Tyler win an MVP this year? I hope so. Uh, you guys are you guys are up to something. This was the worst comments I ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time. Run up pads on, so we're not gonna talk about a whole lot of nothing. Tuesday is sparring day. Wednesday is day that we install everything that we're gonna do in the game, and Thursday we just turn it up a notch, you know. Excited to be back, fellas. Excited to be back. You wouldn't know it from the listener perspective since we've just been releasing pods at a steady rate, but it's been a minute since we've gotten to talk to one another, share our football thoughts. Uh, Tommy and Lee Murray back home in in Michigan. How you boys doing today? Doing doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, it's 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 unfortunate we're we're not in the Sealy Studios, but hey, the the show must go on, as they say in our business. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back. I know I say this a lot, but you can really start to feel August is right around the corner. We're getting that Hall of Fame game, and I think just just under two weeks, maybe is that it? Right around two weeks. Yeah, it's August first. August, August it's August first. That's that's under a week, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's that's in, a few in like days, four yeah. days. Okay. Madden so, drops yeah. August third. It's time to be doing some team building. You know where I'll be in the office building Don't some buy teams Madden. up. Don't buy Madden. That's my that's my uh, lesson. I'm not buying I'm, it this year. I'm not, I'm not I told Tommy I'm not. We usually go halfsies on it. I'm not going. I'm not putting my half in. He can pay all sixty. I'll drop that sixty. I'll drop that sixty. I'll do it. You know he's going to drop the eighty for the Hall of Fame edition. Uh, I'd be getting it today. <laughs> um, I I took another overnight bus, uh, a Greyhound from Chicago to Detroit. <laughs> So overnight bus two, I'm gonna have another. I took a picture of the Greyhound logo outside the station. I'm gonna make that my article picture. Yep. Um, and what? But while I was on the bus, you know, I was I didn't have the same type of you know meditative, soul searching moment that I did in Vietnam. How but could I, you? I listened to a few of our podcasts. No, you you can't match that. But I listened to a few of our podcasts um, from prior, and there was just a few things I wanted to to mention to you guys, um, and just kind of bring up myself that I feel like maybe we didn't touch on enough and. I feel like maybe we were focusing a lot on what teams maybe are deficient at and can't do, and which is a fair to do because you're looking for weaknesses in these teams. But I also feel like we, we may have ignored some of the, the brighter spots on a lot of these rosters, and I just wanted to give some, some due to some players that I feel like we may have disrespected a little bit. Um, so when we talked about the Seahawks, I don't think that uh, we gave Bobby Wagner enough credit for, for what, just what a player he is. He just got a big... Three, I think three-year, $54 million extension. That's a ticket. Um, I mean, he's he's elite elite linebacker. Him and Keekley are the top two guys in the league for me. And so I just wanted to shout him out real quickly. Uh, I didn't think we uh, – DeAndre Hopkins, we kind of ignored him for, for the Texans, and he's just an elite receiver, probably top three in the NFL, I would I would say. I mean, I think last year I don't really think he dropped a catchable target. I saw some stats he didn't drop one pass. on Twitter about that. So uh, he's just he was unreal last year. Um, Darius Leonard for the Colts, feel like we skipped over a little bit. I mean, this was a rookie who was um, in line for Defensive Player of the Year, not only Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, you know, he was a guy who just came onto the scene last year. He was a little bit of a, a back judge draft draft kid too. We we liked him a lot, and so uh, I just wanted to give those three guys a, a quick shout out. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely, Clep. It's easy to, to you know, uh, breeze over, over names when you're in the heat of the moment trying to give out your, your honest opinion. And I think that being able to wind it back and give guys credit where it's clearly due is something that uh, I haven't thought about, but I'm glad you thought about it because it's, it's definitely worth doing. And, and what, a, what a league that, that we get to cover. We have the blessing to cover because the talent level, you know, is just at an all-time high. Uh, you, you know, 
You know me. I, I toss around elite a lot because there's a lot of elite players in this league that you know that that we probably gloss over when we're just getting into the analytic uh, the analytical approach that we take. So Clep, thanks for thanks for humbling us and make and reminding us of of the supreme talent that we're so blessed to cover. Hey, Cl- and you know it's no fault of our own. We're trying to find those you know sneaky players. We're trying to bring you that different perspective here. Uh, but I just I just you know wanted to give them their credit. So. Clep, would you describe just DeForest Buckner as elite? Uh, no. All right, thank, thank you. He's on that edge, though. He's right there. That was a little He's argument. Right that was a little argument, Tommy and I had. <laughs> He's right Pulling there. back the curtain. <laughs> He's right there. That's that Chicago think tank on that same wave, baby. Uh, let's, uh, so today we're doing the AFC North. Uh, this is one of, I mean, we're going to do these two North divisions next, and I think they're some of the most uh, exciting to talk about divisions, most um, intriguing, perhaps. Um, I think we're going to get into a lot of good, debate some civil discourse perhaps over over a lot of these players and these teams and where we see them fitting in in this 2019-2020 NFL season but we'll start it off with the Cincinnati Bengals who I mean the big story for them seems to be that no matter what they do in the first round of the draft their guy just gets injured and Jonah Williams their first round pick didn't miss a snap or what in like four years at Alabama and then all of a sudden has some sort of shoulder injury or something like that, and now he's out for the entire season. Um, I don't know what you guys think about this team, really. I was looking them over, and I kind of wanted to bring up A.J. Green, and I think a lot of I, – if I was the Bengals, I'd be looking to trade A.J. Green because I don't think – I don't see like a two- to three-year window where this team is competing for anything significant, and A.J. Green's 30 years old, still an elite receiver, but at this point I think it's kind of that drop-off where – I think you could still get a first-round pick for him this year. And teams like the Packers come to mind, like if, or maybe even the Patriots or the Saints. The Saints you know, are always kind of loose with their picks. I feel like those teams could be maybe making some calls to Cincinnati. I'm not sure where you guys think on that, and I didn't want to derail the conversation on this team too soon, but those are kind of my two things that I looked at this roster that I kind of took away. Yeah, I mean, this, this team's really interesting because I think – I mean, last year they they seemed to have a high enough floor where they were beating teams that they were even with or a little bit better or a little bit better than. And then when they played the cream of the crop, the elite teams, the Saints come to mind, the Chiefs come to mind. They just kind of got steamrolled. And I think it's going to be interesting because uh, I you know I definitely think this is going to be a down year for the Bengals, but they still have you know a running back in Joe Mixon that I really like a lot, AJ Green that Clep. I completely agree with that. I would be trying to trade him as well. Uh, and I, I would love to see, like, the Colts go out and get him. I think that's another team that you can add who has the cap space. Obviously, they added Devin Funches, but A.J. Green uh, is an elite receiver. Um, I think, you know, the, the Bengals have, have building blocks, but at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to the quarterback. Andy Dalton, I think, is just an uh, average, if, if below average, if you will, quarterback. Um, and I just think the you know, you bring in Zach Taylor, who – I don't really have a, a opinion of him as, as a head coach or even as a play caller, really, to be honest. I don't know too much uh, about him, and you know, I don't know how much to attribute from the Rams offense to him or, or to Sean McVay. But, uh, you know, this team has some nice pieces, but I just, in terms of what the, what the rest of the division has, um, it's, 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 you know, in my opinion, that they're going to be the, the fourth team in this division and are in for a little bit of a down year. Yeah, um, sticking in the AFC South with a with the trade uh, 
candidate for A.J. Green. How about Jacksonville bringing in Nick Foles, giving him all that money? How about you give him a big body, a bona fide elite receiver to, to throw to in that division? I think that could make Jacksonville a whole heck of a lot better. But, I mean, you guys have kind of covered most of it with this team. I, I don't really think there's a lot of positive things to say about the Bengals. And I'll start with the positive, which is, as Tommy touched on, Joe Mixon, I think, is an incredible running back. They, their draft kind of confused me this year. Um, I like Ryan Finley uh, as, as a quarterback who is going to be able to be groomed and, and has a higher ceiling than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But outside of some young pieces that are exciting, they've kind of flopped on a lot of their picks. I mean, John Ross, most specifically, uh, a guy who was picked in the top 15 or top 10 in the draft, if I'm not mistaken, by the Bengals a couple years ago and hasn't been productive whatsoever in any way. You already have... Uh, Tyler Eifert and Tyler Croft and C.J. Uzoma at tight end, and you, you draft Drew Sample out of Washington in the second round. I just feel like that's kind of a luxury pick for, for the Bengals. And I, I don't know. I'm not really – I think Marvin Lewis was not a great coach. I don't think he was a bad coach. So I just don't think Zach Taylor is going to come in and start you know winning games off the bat. Not that their fan base necessarily expects it, but at the same time I would go as far as to say I don't really even – truly believe that, uh, that, that this team is, is, is going to compete in, within the next two to three years, even four years. I just think that the Bengals are right now in an absolute rebuild and a rebuild that will last more than just a couple years. I, I, don't, I don't think the Bengals are really going to uh, be able to succeed as a team until they fully turn the page from Andy Dalton and from their kind of you know, uh, recent, recent era, if you will. And just to correct myself, Tyler Croft got signed by the by the Bills. But still, you got Tyler Eifert, C.J. Uzoma. They're, they're drafting the tight end in the second round. Just a little bit of a head-scratcher. Not a lot of things to be um, excited about for the Bengals, I think. Well, I mean, if I can kind of piggyback off that too a little bit, I think they do have some nice pieces. Like Jesse Bates was awesome last year as a second-round pick, uh, playing that free safety role. William Jackson is a guy that we've talked on the podcast a fair amount about uh, as that one of those next up and coming corners and what prob- maybe now that Xavier non rookie non rookie emergence can exactly go back and listen to that podcast now, now that Xavier Howard got signed he might be the most underrated uh, you know corner a corner in the NFL and then you know Billy Price is a guy that I liked a lot last year coming out of Ohio State and he had a rough rough rookie year he was hurt and didn't play that great when he was in um, so I'm just trying to take that clip I'm trying to highlight some of their so, you know, Sam Hubbard is a guy that had a nice rookie season. I think they have some nice pieces, but again, Lee, as you said, they don't have the quarterback, uh, and their 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 draft. They're they're doing some luxury picks. It's just I don't really I don't really see the direction that this team is going in. And just a quick note, uh, as we finish out the Bengals, Tyler Boyd got inked to a big extension. They really like him. Uh, he was a bright spot as a, a second option last year. So, and Geno Atkins on this team, Andrew Billings also had actually a pretty nice uh, season last year or the year before, I can't quite remember, but I mean, they got some veterans on this squad. They're just kind of lacking a certain um, firepower. I mean, even a team with AJ Green and Joe Mixon, they still kind of just fly under the radar and the offensive line is still really, really in rough shape. Uh, So just overall, I don't expect much from this team this, this season. I don't think you guys do either. So um, we can move on to perhaps a uh, more controversial team in this in this podcast, and that's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and my big thing, maybe just to set up this conversation, and uh, Lee, if you want to maybe go in a little deeper with the Browns, but my thing with 
them is, you know, how quickly can you go from being a team who at the beginning of last season with Hugh Jackson was pretty awful. And, and that's not to, you know, a fault of perhaps guys like Baker Mayfield or even a Freddie Kitchens, but with Tyrod Taylor and Hugh Jackson, they just weren't really getting it done. And you make that switch mid-year and you kind of see stuff happening and, and you see positive um, movement from this team. But then this offseason, really just making a ton of moves, trading for the best receiver in the NFL and Odell Beckham, trading for guys like Vernon, uh, Olivier Vernon, um, just making all these moves. And, I mean, how quickly can this team go from being in the gutter to what they think that they are, and that's a Super Bowl contender? I mean, if I, I can, I mean, I think I might be the highest person on the Browns in this threesome. So, I mean, I can, I can take the mantle here. Uh, and I just think, you know, I, I, I completely see your guys' concerns. And this is something that we've been talking about a lot. And, and they, they're bringing in a lot of divisive personalities or potentially divisive personalities. And then you have a rookie head coach. And just like you said, Clep, how quickly can they make that turnaround? And I think it just starts at the top with John Dorsey, who I think has been an unbelievable general manager since the moment he came in and made that decision to draft Baker Mayfield. Uh, and it, it comes down to their, their leadership leadership points, at least from John Dorsey, and then you go to the head coach, Freddie Kitchens, who um, I, admittedly I don't know too much about, but I think it, they obviously are with that infrastructure. I'm trusting their decision to bring him in. They obviously think that he is the best fit for their quarterback, who – and then it comes down to their quarterback, who I just think is a gamer and and is just going to keep th- this team in games. And then they just have all these pieces around them that, yes, I'm you know, they could be too big, uh, you know, they could be just too big of a thing, you know, to fail. But I just think that this team, uh, you know, I think they're just going to meet the expectations. I think it just comes down to a gut feeling. I like a lot of the talent that they're surrounding, uh, you know, Baker with. And then on defense, I think this team can get after it. So. I, I'm a believer. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I flip on this team uh, almost on a daily basis. It's something that has really been kind of nagging at me this offseason has been the Cleveland Browns. I, 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 I don't really know where to stand. Um, I think I can confidently say that I see them being a top two team in this division. I think that's something I can confidently say. But I just think that this is a team where they start out their season um, with with – Tennessee and the Jets, and then they play the Rams on Sunday night football, and they put, but they play the Jets on Monday night football. So two of their first three games are prime time, and I just think that we're going to find out a lot about this team in the first three weeks. Um, interestingly enough, I haven't heard a lot out of their camp, um, which has kind of shocked me, I guess, a little bit. I thought out of all the teams in the league, I'd be hearing out of the Browns camp that, oh, we, this is the best group of guys I've ever been around, or, oh, there's something different about this team this year, or, or oh, you know, I've seen a few videos on – the score app or whatever of oh, look at OBJ and Baker's connection or, or, you know, things like that. But that's not necessarily something that uh, you could, you could use as like a headline of any sort. I was expecting more, more, you know, more hype talk coming out of their camp. And I feel like this might just be a group that's ready to get down to business. Um, I think we saw signs of it last year, even with the terrible coaching that they had and they were coached out of a lot of games. They still ended up getting seven wins, almost eight. And, this is a team that I, I have a hard time believing they're, they're just going to be the same old Browns. But on the same token, I definitely have a hard time believing that they're just going to come in and take the league by storm this year and just tear off uh, win streak after win streak and end up winning 13 or 14 games. Like A lot of people genuinely believe they will. There are a lot of people out there who think that this is the most talented team in the NFL and that their floor is 11 or 12 wins and, and that Baker Mayfield is a top three quarterback 
and that he's the future and this team is the future. And I, I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm not ready to, you know, all out sell. I, I really don't know where I stand on this team. And uh, uh, the most comfortable thing to do, I feel like right now, based on how I feel, is assume that they're going to go win around eight or nine games. And that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of pop out of Odell in terms of production, but I also think that there's going to be some lulls, like there always has been. And I don't think just because he's got a much better quarterback that everything's going to be fine and dandy and that he's going to be tearing up the league again. I, I just think that this is going to be a grinded-out division. And if, if the Browns are ready to bring their, their lunch pail and, and their hard hat and, and win games the old-fashioned way, that they're going to be a good team. But I have yet to see them work as a unit. You know, so, so have you guys, and I'm, I'm definitely excited to see it, but I'm tampering my expectations for now, I guess. Well, here are my top three concerns with this team. It starts with the dynamic between Freddie Kitchens and Todd Monken because Todd Monken was calling plays last year in uh, Tampa Bay. And so I'm pretty sure he's set to call plays here no, no, in Cleveland. Kitchens and is. I don't understand. Kitchens or is, is it? Okay. So I, it's, I don't understand like how that dynamic is, is necessarily going to work out. I mean, this is kind of the same thing that you had last year with Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. Obviously, Hugh Jackson was somewhat of a – Michael Scott character, as he was described by by some players, that he just couldn't get out of his own way. But um, still, you have two guys with just different offensive mindsets, and I don't know. You, know, you don't really know how that's going to play out. Uh, I do like Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator. I will say that. Um, but and this offensive line too is is quite concerning. Greg Robinson is your starting left tackle. You traded away Kevin Zeitler, who is an, an as a Pro Bowl guard, and so. You have, I mean, and guys like Austin Corbett haven't really played a ton, um, but you're bound, you're betting on them to be a good a good offensive lineman than to keep your franchise upright. And I just see if there's one injury along this line, I think that they're in, they're going to be in a lot of trouble there. So that that's a concern to me. And then the other issue I have too is going even into the the secondary a little bit. Obviously, Denzel Ward had a really great year last year, and Demarius Randall and Morgan Burnett are are two good safeties, but you don't really have a second corner. Uh, Greedy Williams is a guy to me that I really wasn't a big fan of in the draft uh, process. I don't know how he's going to fit into this defense. Um, he's somewhat of a freelancer athlete type that doesn't like to get his nose dirty, and I don't I don't like that from from a cornerback. Um, he kind of you know it's almost like a Marcus Peters without that nastiness um, that, that he kind of reminds me of. But I, I don't. So those that's kind of where I'm just hung up with this team and. Ultimately, I, I even think back to the Rams with Sean McVay that, you know, they had that great resurgence here, but they still lost to the Falcons in the playoffs. Like, you know, there's, there's still, you know, they weren't built for that, that run yet in that first year. So that's kind of where I can peg this team is like, yes, I see the excitement. Yes, I think they'll be a better football team, but do I really think that they're set to do anything remarkable this season? Like, you know, even... Even saying, you know, getting to an AFC championship game or winning a playoff game at or as a wild card team, I, I don't know if they're they're capable of quite doing that yet. And for me, it just more comes down to an experience level uh, more than talent because there's a ton of talent all over this roster. Yeah, Clep, I, I resonate with a couple of those points. And I think the offensive line point, it at least to me, is the thing that resonates the most with me. And I completely agree. You're putting a lot of faith in, faith in Austin Corbett to – be a starting guard in the NFL, and like you said, what if one injury hits that line, which it very likely will, um, you, you do have a, a little bit of a depth problem there, and that's definitely going to be tough. 
you get you gave away Zeitler, you gave away Peppers in the offseason. I think those are two huge pieces. And I think that this is an all-world personality team. And and I know everyone's saying that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, toot the same horn because you the, the NFL is not a personality league necessarily. And the clashing of personalities is something that I mean, you got Odell Beckham, you got Jarvis Landry, you got Antonio Callaway, you got Kareem Hunt you're bringing in, and then you've got Sheldon Richardson on the defense, and, and, and Greedy Williams we know has a little, bit of, a little bit of a personality too. I just think there's a lot of and, – and, yeah, of course, Baker Mayfield with the moxie he has. It's like there's a lot of different personalities on this team, and that's why I'm saying early on we're going to be able to tell. If there's some clashing, it's going to be maximum clashing, and if there's some bonding, it's going to be maximum bonding. I think everything is going to be – the mecca for this team and that could end up being a great thing for the Browns. It could end up being their demise. I just want to point that and, out. And uh, just one more point about Clep when you're talking about the stretch and Lee, you just mentioned Kareem Hunt. Uh, what, what type of role is he going to play after his eight game suspension, you know, with that playoff potential playoff push going into the postseason? Uh, and how is that nucleus going to work with him and Nick Chubb and, and Duke Johnson, who already is not very pleased with his role as it is and is demanded to trade. And who knows if, you know, that'll, that'll see uh, any fruition. So uh, you guys are definitely right. There's a lot of potential, uh, you know, this could blow up in their face. But I just have a feeling kind of like, you know, I guess the Cardinals, but even more just because of the, the uh, talent on the roster and the infrastructure that they have in place now. I do th- see, uh, you know, this team on the rise. Lee, do you want to uh, just give us the Ravens? Uh, I'd love to. This is a team where I guess – a lot of this is a huge wild card team. I like to call them just because there's a lot of uh, what is it variance on this team. There's there's a lot of different variables. Different, a lot of variables. Just a lot of th- a lot of different things hitting you from different angles, kind of in good ways and bad ways and in, in different ways. And uh, I guess we'll just start off with our little one of our back judge favorites, and that's Lamar Jackson, and that's a quarterback that. One of the most exciting quarterbacks in college football history. Incredible athlete. Very good feet. Um, good improvisational skill. Um, but, you know, when it comes to accuracy, in his whole career of playing football has never been consistent. And uh, I, I say it a, a good amount. Accuracy isn't something you can teach, especially not, uh, you know, when, when, when a guy has already entered the NFL. And I think this is something that the Ravens are almost – uh, ignorance is bliss in a way. They're just they're they're just trying to ignore it and 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 be like, oh, it'll all be okay. He's a great athlete. He's a he's a great football player, which is true. And you know, we're just gonna get off on that. And I I just cease to believe that this team is gonna be able to get off on uh, Lamar Jack Lamar Jackson's athletic capability. But then from the other end of the spectrum, there's the fact that they brought in Earl Thomas, who's one of the better veteran defensive players in the free agency this offseason, and they brought in Mark Ingram at running back, who kind of has ultimately ended the, the turnstile of Ravens running backs over the past four years, let's call it. And they finally got someone solid in there who isn't, you know, Buck Allen or Gus Edwards or, you know, uh, one of those other guys that they've had over the past few years. And I think that that's definitely going to give this team a little more of an identity, and I think that's what Baltimore needs. But ultimately, I think that the, the identity won't matter if Lamar Jackson's not hitting targets. And... I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to be able to hit targets to make a to make a long explanation short. So no matter how much talent um, you want to put around this guy, I think Marquise Brown is one of my favorite picks in the draft this year. I think he's going to be an electric receiver. I think you're going to get some great plays out of him. But I also think he's going to get missed a lot because I don't think Lamar Jackson has the ability to consistently throw the ball 
uh, at the level of a starting NFL quarterback. And I'll stand by that comment. I just think that if he could do that, let's say if a Sam Darnold or if a Baker Mayfield or if even maybe a Josh Allen was on this Ravens team, I would have a lot more to like about them. But Lamar Jackson just doesn't do that much for me, and I don't. I, I think you can only really win so many games in the NFL running running a, a triple option or, or 75% run heavy offense. Um, and I just think that's kind of what the Ravens – I don't know what their offensive plan is now with Greg Roman coming in as the offensive coordinator. Apparently things are changing. But – I really think that Lamar was unaware when it comes. Well, yeah, Lamar again. Yeah. Coming into camp, Lamar was unaware of the offensive change, which is like, all right, I guess that's something that you should be extremely worried about. If your starting quarterback is, has no knowledge of the fact that your offense is changing um, over the off season. But I guess we'll just, you know, not acknowledge that, but you know, <laughs> seriously, this team is good. I think this team is good at every, basically every position, but, I don't think Lamar Jackson is accurate. I don't think Lamar Jackson ever will be accurate, and I think that will cost this team in the long run. And that's what happens when you put all your chips in on an athlete-first quarterback to, to, to be the starter on your football team. And he can prove me wrong by them winning 11 games and him having a solid completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio, but I do not see that being a realistic possibility. And until they replace their quarterback, I don't think this team's really getting anywhere fast. I, uh, I, I definitely agree with a lot of the things that Lee just said. Um, I think I'm a little bit more of a Lamar Jackson believer, but I still am reaching the same conclusion as you, Lee. And it's basically, you know the type of game that they're going to play. Uh, it's almost, it's kind of similar, I would say, to the Cowboys in a way, where you're going to run the ball, you're gonna, your defense is going to have to you know, play bend, don't break, and, and their defense you know is going to be pretty good. I do have some questions about who... How they're what their you know their sack production where that's going to come from. Tim Williams uh, is really going to be in a starting role. They drafted Jalen Ferguson in the third round this year. Yeah, Matt Judon um, as well. So there there are some pieces there, but I, I do think the loss of Zadarius Smith uh, is definitely something. Uh, but it is not everything. But Lee, yeah, this team is this team is good, and it just comes down to Lamar Jackson, who I think, like you said, Lee has talent as an as an improvi- uh, improvisational quarterback and can make throws with. Uh, you know, I'm, he's not, he's definitely not the most accurate guy, but definitely isn't, you know, Tim Tebow and can make throws on the run and can complete passes. But, you know, how prolific is he going to be in that style of system? Uh, with Greg Roman coming in, I guess that just makes me think they're going to try and use him as a Kaepernick type uh, quarterback. I, I, I believe Greg, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator when, when Kaepernick was his most he prolific. Was. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a, a type of system like that. And I, I can see success with that. I like Mark Ingram a lot. I think he kind of has been one of the more underrated uh, running backs in the league and now is going to get a return, get a chance to return to that, that 1A role that he had before the Saints brought in Kamara. So there's definitely stuff to be excited about, but even though I'm a little bit higher on Lamar Jackson than maybe Lee is, I still kind of come to the same conclusion as him where, you know, how many that, – that definitely I don't think can win you 11 games. And, you know, even if it does – what is that playoff performance going to look like? I think, you know, we're all still a little bit haunted by his performance against the Chargers. So that's all I have to say. I know, I know we're kind of railing on about Lamar here, but I, I want to add just some stats to this conversation about that we're having with him. So he started seven games last year, all of them down the stretch for the Ravens, and led them to their, to their playoff appearance, led them to winning the AFC North. I don't think that's something that – should be discounted. He's six and one uh, in the regular season, whatever QB record means, um, and he threw for a fifty-eight point two completion percentage. So obviously that isn't maybe 
where it should be in terms of an NFL quarterback. You'd like to see him around maybe 62, 63, but ultimately nothing horrible. But, I mean, where he really shines is the rushing attack. And he ran for almost 700 yards in the seven games that he started. So he's averaging 100 rushing yards a game. I think he takes a lot of hits. I think that was something that I even saw from him in the preseason. He just kind of takes a lot of unnecessary hits. Uh, that And that needs to be changed because, frankly, he's, what, 215 pounds soaking wet. So if you're if you're gonna you know be taking licks you're gonna get injured that's just that's just the way it goes and and then I mean even to go to the playoff game though he was pretty I mean until the very very end he was very clearly why their offense was not motoring along as it should so I mean for whatever those are worth at at the very least he has more tangible experience than Baker Mayfield does. Uh, he led a team to a playoff appearance. He's been in a playoff game. I, I, whether or not you think – I don't think he's a better quarterback than Baker is. I'm just saying on a very base level, he has seen more in terms of just high-pressure situations. Uh, but uh, overall, I think he's going to be – he's going to make or break this team. If he's good, they're gonna, it's almost like the Jets we were talking about. Like if Darnold's good, they'll be in the playoffs. And if Darnold isn't good, they won't be. And I think – if Lamar Jackson is really good, I think this team has a really great shot at making the playoffs, and, and if he isn't, they probably won't. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a full 16-game season where teams have studied his tape all offseason, studied the offense, and I know it's changing a little bit, but you can still kind of key in on what he likes to do and how to limit his effectiveness. So that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, I know in our, in our um, non-rookie breakout candidate podcast, we also talked about Matt Judon. Uh, he's a guy I'm super excited about this year uh, for this Ravens team. Uh, I think 10-plus sacks is, is easy. Almost, I mean, he hasn't done it in his career, but potentially even a weak prophecy there. I could see him being upwards around 12 or 13 for sure. Um, and I think even the secondary, too, Marlon Humphrey has turned out to be a pretty decent quarterback. Cornerback. Um, Earl Thomas adding him into the mix, even though he's had some injuries, that he's been an elite safety for almost all of his career. So those are both players who you can kind of rally around for sure uh, on this defense. All right. So let's jump into the Pittsburgh Steelers here. They were a team last year who I kind of remember fading them at the end of the season. I remember I wrote an article about the AFC playoff picture, the famous AFC playoff picture article on the Back Judge podcast. Check it out. Um, I was talking about them going to play the Saints and how I expected them to lose that game and therefore be on the outside looking in in terms of the AFC playoff picture and that wild card or even just the AFC North divisional race. Uh, and they just ended the year with somewhat of a disappointment. Um, obviously, it was kind of shrouded in this weird Antonio Brown skipping the last game of the season. You had the Le'Veon Bell stuff all uh, off season and even just bleeding into the year until it was kind of apparent that he was just going to miss the entire season and not play on that tag. And now I think both of those guys are gone. You don't have to deal with, and I think, you know, you'd be remiss if you said that Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger don't deserve some percentage of the blame for the noise that was created and some of the issues that were coming out of that locker room. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get rid of your quarterback. You just that's not what's going to happen, and I don't really think you're going to get rid of your head coach when it's Mike Tomlin, a guy who has been there a while, a lot of winning season under him, and I, I like this year as a bounce back year for the Steelers. Uh, I really do. I think Ben Roethlisberger threw for the he led the league in passing yards last year, threw for over five thousand passing yards. I think he has a ton of football left in the tank. 
Uh, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is really ready to take that role as a first number one receiver. He's he's a guy, in my opinion, that is um, a, uh, approaching elite status. I wouldn't put him there yet just because I haven't seen him totally dominate on his own without that AB on the other side of him. But I do believe that he can make that step this year as a player. And they also have some nice pieces on that defense. I know Leo probably just preach the gospel of Devin Bush one more time for you here as we go through this defense. But I really like where the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting at. James Conner, too, was an awesome back for them last year. He did have a little bit of issues with fumbling, but at the same time picked up kind of right where Le'Veon Bell left off, and they didn't even really miss him that much. So uh, curious to see kind of where you guys stand with this team uh, heading into 2019. Um, The Steelers, they definitely have some nice pieces. Uh, You know, this is a team that, you know, I they've been the top dog, and I mean them and the Ravens, but really the Steelers have been the the top dog in terms of talent and on paper in this division for you know the entirety of my my football fandom. Um, so this is going to be interesting this first year them coming in with uh, a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder, and 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 Ben, as you alluded to, um, Adam, this is really going to be Ben and and Tomlin's ship, I think officially, and that Le'Veon and the two other B's are officially out. Um, I definitely think Juju can can make it as a number one receiver in the NFL. I think he's just one of the hardest workers and, and a hell of a talent. Um, I, I do have some questions about who their, their number two receiver is going to be. They brought in Dante Moncrief. James Washington is a guy who I really liked a lot last year, but didn't really pop um, as much as I thought he was going to in his rookie year. So he definitely has uh, big shoes to fill this year. And then Deontay Johnson is a guy that they got in the third round from Toledo, who is a, a very shifty uh, you know, receiver who I think can make a lot of impact in the slot. And uh, I, I will also say, too, kind of not to cut you off, Tommy, but Vance McDonald mm. also uh, was a pretty big part of this offense last year. I'm pretty sure he had over 600 yards receiving and a few touchdowns. So he can yep. definitely pick up some of the slack as well. Definitely. And he's going to be expected to now with uh, Jesse James repping that Honolulu blue. Getting Justin Lane, Deontay Johnson, who, who I mentioned, uh, and then Benny Snell, who I kind of see similar similarly to James Conner coming out as a as a power back with a lot of heart, who I think will be will will fill a nice role in, in that that second that second H back role. So overall, I think this team has a lot of pieces, um, and I I I definitely think that they're going to be a tough out. Um, but I'm not I'm not necessarily sold on them being a playoff team yet, and uh, that just comes down to uh, you know I just. I've obviously Ben had a good year last year, but I just don't see the the execution uh, being where it is in years past. And I think this is a team on the downtrend. I I won money last year. I won a little bit of money last year betting the under on the Steelers at nine and a half wins, and they won nine games. And yeah, maybe I got a little bit lucky, but uh, that's the NFL. You know, you're going to catch your breaks sometimes. And this is a team that they ran out of their breaks to be caught last year, and. I think that the whole triple triple killer bees thing, it's it's over. The personalities thing is over. If you listen to the AFC North preview from last year, this is the very thing that I was saying brought this team down was Ben Roethlisberger's decay in 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 uh, depreciation in terms of talent, which hasn't changed. I'm not trying to say that that's changed. He's still not as good of a quarterback as he has been in the past, and he's seemingly only getting worse. But I still find him a little bit closer to a Philip Rivers than an Eli Manning. He's somewhere in between those two guys. And then it was the personalities of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And similar to what I said about the Browns, when things were going really well, they were going really well for the Steelers. And when things were going really bad, they were going really bad for the Steelers. And 
You've heard me speak about Devin Bush, and Devin Bush is, is just an example of why this, Steeler, this is the new identity of the Steelers team. The personalities are out the window. The football players are coming through the door. This is a team that the Pittsburgh Steelers have never been a team that is going to out-talent anyone their way to a Super Bowl. And in a league that it's hard to keep a, a team culture in a league consistent, but the Steelers have, have always been great when they have a punishing defense and a pesky offense with, with lunch pail players on it. And, and I think that with the personalities out of the room, that's exactly what you have this year. They got guys who can get after it. They're not, they're not jumping off the page in any position necessarily, but this is exactly the way I'd want it. As a Steeler fan, they're getting back to Steeler football, and I just find it way harder to bet against them this year. I just think they're locked in this camp. I love their draft. I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a great pace player for them to bring in and, and, and game breaker. I'm looking for big things out of James Washington. I, you guys all know how I feel about Devin Bush. I think he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the league, maybe even in his first year. And then even in the third round, Justin Lane is a long uh, maybe not the most athletic guy, but a sticky corner who's about six foot three, over six two, who's going to be. He's a guy who had one of the best cornerback receiver battles with Nikhil Harry in the Michigan State Arizona State game early in the college football season last year. Who Nikhil Harry is a first round draft pick. That's a guy. This is a guy who can stick with good players. Zach Gentry is a very raw. He was a quarterback coming out of high school. Went to Michigan, played tight end. Very raw, athletic guy who I think they're going to find a way to get on the field early. They got him in the fifth round. This is just a team that's drafting based on their identity now. The main thing that bothers me or that gets to me about this team is Ben Roethlisberger. And I have, I'm not going to lie to myself and say that I haven't seen his talent consistently depreciate over the past four years. There hasn't been a year where he's had a better year since the year before. And I'm looking for him to kind of be a little bit more of a trailer than a tractor for this team and see if he can maybe play that role better with the stable of running backs they have. want to give a quick shout-out to my boy Jalen Samuels. He's a second-year guy out of NC State. He played with Naheem Hines. Big physical, almost fullback type guy. They played him spread out at tight end last year. Just a physical dude in that, in that rotation of running backs and tight ends, along with James Conner and Tommy, as you touched on, Benny Snell. I hopped over him just because you already touched on him, but that's another guy I really thought they got good value out of in the fourth round. So with the you know kind of middle-of-the-pack offensive line and the older quarterback worries me, but in terms of identity, this Steelers team has got it, and I think they're going to really surprise a lot of people this year. I think they got a big chip on their shoulder this year, especially with what the Browns are doing. Um, one thing that I just wanted to touch on looking over their depth chart is they lost Marcus Gilbert at that right tackle spot. And right now, uh, our lads has Matt Feeler slot in for that. And I think to touch on what you were saying, Lee, cause I, I think we have similar opinions of Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously he was a prolific passer last year, but I think that a lot of that had to do with AB and, and Juju. And I, I'm going to be very interested to see what type of production he has this year. And I do see him getting kind of that. That I did think that's a perfect analogy, Lee, where he's somewhere in between Phillip Rivers and, and Eli Manning, where you see kind of a little bit of Eli in him sometimes when the pressure gets in his face and he and he makes some bad throws and throwing it at a receiver's feet. And Marcus Gilbert was um, just a, a, a pillar on that offensive line for, for many years. So I think that could be a, an interesting storyline to look at um, you know, going forward into the year. I think Ben's better than Phillip, so I'm just going to put that out there. Ooh. I don't really, I, I, I don't really see where uh, – um, I'm, I'm, I think I must be just much higher on Ben Roethlisberger than you guys are, but I, at this point, he's still a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He threw for over five thousand right now. Yeah, I'd rather have Big Ben than Philip Rivers this season. Philip Rivers is is a bit more consistent, I think, in terms of you're going to get a gunslinger, but you're also going to get a guy who's going to whip it around for, you know, four touchdowns. 
Um, I just think that's more likely out of Rivers and Roethlisberger. Maybe I'm hating on Roethlisberger a little too much. It really was the, I want to say, Sunday night football game against the Lions two years ago that, that pushed me off the edge about Ben Roethlisberger. Seriously, I watched that game and was like, holy smokes, this guy is not the player he used to be. And I've kind of been keeping an eye on him ever since then. And he just seems like, you know, dare I say it, he kind of seems just like a little bit better version of Blake Bortles who has won a couple Super Bowls. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know about Blake Bortles. I think Eli Man- I think he's a little bit better version of Eli Manning with some more beef and, and just a little bit more touch on his ball. Well, I think Ben, like I said, he's going to have to take the trailer role. I think he's, he'd be much better trying to take the trailer role and, and, and trying to just, you know, move the chains as opposed to making the big plays because, you know, I just don't think he has the ability that he used to have. And sometimes maybe it's the he sees a, he sees a 28-year-old Ben out there in his head. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You can't make some of the throws that he used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of high on this team, to be honest. I, I really think that they have a good chance to win a playoff game, potentially even go to, to an AFC Championship game. I, I really do. I like, I like that all the distractions are gone. I, so I saw a story that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, had his, had the receivers over to his lake house or whatever. And I know that was a big thing with AB talking about how, you know, Ben Roethlisberger wasn't as hospitable or like a great teammate. And I think, you know, maybe some of that is true. And he's kind of learning from, you know his past. And I, I, I just think, and you know, Ben Roethlisberger has been known to go on a, you know, a Tuesday radio show and start flaming some people, you know? So I, I, I think, I think that this team is really set up for, for a nice season. There's no distractions. I think Mike Tomlin is still a great coach in the league. And I think the defense has some, some really solid pieces, especially in that front seven secondary is definitely a little shaky for sure, but you, you have solid guys. I mean, Bud Dupree, I know hasn't been exactly the player that they totally want him to be, but, um, I, I I think that Vince Williams hunted hunted tackles Vince. Mark this he's he's a he's, I know maybe his best days are behind. Yeah, him. and and Steve and Steven Nelson. Talk about identity players. Those guys are Steelers, man. Those guys are gonna come in and and and, and eat. Hayden is I know Hayden isn't the player he used to be either, but you got to believe that guy's hungry for a ring. He's hungry to be you know that that veteran presence in the locker room too. So I don't know, Clep. If I didn't make it clear to you guys, I I love this team. That's kind of why I wanted to go last. And even with, even with the concerns I have about Roethlisberger and what I just said about him, I still think he's I, – I didn't try to mean to compare him to Blake Bortles. I said a better version for whatever that means. I still think that he can be a good quarterback. I just think that he needs to take a step back and understand that his role isn't what it used to be and that maybe he needs to just be more focused on getting the ball out quickly to better playmakers as opposed to sitting there in the pocket, taking more hits, and trying to sling the ball around for the big play. That's all. No, that's a fair criticism. Just don't use the same breath of Blake Bortles and Ben Roethlisberger. There's a similar physical don't. archetype there. Unless it's, it was the pre-jab process of Blake Bortles, don't don't use them in the same breath. Kick us off, Tommy. I'm going to kick it off, and uh, I'm sure that I got someone different at number one, and I'm, I'm putting in the Cleveland Browns at number one. Tommy Chalk. Tommy Chalk. <laughs> I'm putting in the uh, Tommy Chalk. to win this division. <laughs> And if you guys wanna, if you if you guys in uh, opposite from me virtually, and all on all the folks at home, I, I'm rating this by quarterbacks in the division, and I got the Steelers coming in at number two, and I think they potentially could fight for a wild card, but I just don't see the top end talent that I see with Cleveland and, and the, as much pop as I do, and so that's why that's my basically my reasoning for differentiating those two. I have the Ravens at three coming in, you know, a solid maybe seven and nine season, but I just don't think Lamar is going to be able to consistently get them. Uh, to the finish line through 16 games this year. And then I have the Bengals uh, in the fourth spot 
which I'm sure will be unanimous, um, and them having a little bit of a rebuild season and, and possibly getting Justin Herbert or Tua Tungle-Vailoa uh, next year in the draft. Yeah, I'll, I'll just take my take my, take my my moment here. Uh, I, I'm going to put the Steelers first. I think that they win this division. Uh, I think they can be an 11-win team. Uh, I really do. So, And I, Tommy, I as well may be ranking this by quarterbacks. So, so I'll, I'll put I'll put the Steelers first. I, I don't honestly after going through this, uh, I'm I'm quite tempted actually to put the Ravens second. And I, I don't know I, I'm just gonna yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I, I'm just gonna put the Ravens second. Um, I don't know I mean I don't necessarily maybe believe in Lamar Jackson as a as a quarterback, but as a guy who can win you games in the regular season, he's proven that he can do that a little bit so far. Um, he's an elite athlete and runner for he's the, the best running quarterback in the NFL for sure. And, uh, I'm, I'm just going to put them second because I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to do that today. Although I don't want to be held to that, but uh, I'll put the Browns third. I, I mean, I think these both teams, yeah, could be like nine and seven and, and just come in second and third kind of tied there, both in the wild card hunt. And then I, I think the Cincinnati Bengals I'm going to have, after we post all of our division podcasts, I'm going to do a little free solo and post my my tier my my NFL tiers uh, kind of I'm maybe before maybe after we do. I like that. I, I sent you the the notebook picture, yep. but um, I put the the Bengals in the bottom tier just and for that bottom tier it was I would be absolutely stunned if these teams made the playoffs, just absolutely shocked. And if the Bengals made the playoffs, that would just absolutely shock me. Um, not that things haven't shocked us all before in the NFL, but that's just kind of where I sit with that team. Um, if, so do you, do you think that Lamar Jackson's better than Baker Mayfield or no? No, okay, I don't. Okay. I, I don't think he's better than Baker Mayfield. I'd obviously rather have, um, uh, Mayfield, but I think that Lamar at this point has a little more tread in his tires in terms of, uh, you know, big moments, uh, however big they can be. Uh, I think that the Ravens have a much better system than the Browns do at this point. I, I just think they're a little more, they have a little more experience. So I, I want to give a quick shout out to my man Orlando Brown in uh, Baltimore. Forgot to shout. Yep. I forgot to shout him out. Zeus. I forgot to shout him out, man. The guy like got overlooked because of his combine numbers and is just out there mauling dudes straight off the bat at right tackle. The and you know who got overdrafted because of combine numbers? He's in Cleveland. His name is Greg Robinson. <laughs> and he was in Detroit before that. <laughs> and, and I'm just letting you guys know that the Ravens have a great. Uh, they got great bookends to their offensive line between uh, Ronnie Stanley and uh, Orlando. So I'm, I'm happy to see Orlando grinding out there. Keep, the, keep up the good work, Orlando. Um, I'm going to hit you guys with some light prophecy. <laughs> I'm going to hit you guys with the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers will go into Foxborough week one and beat the New England Patriots on Sunday Ooh. Night Football. That is a, that's some light prophecy for you boys. And then I'm gonna you want me to throw it in? Throw it in and put a little put okay. – a forward slash next to it and say, go on to win the AFC North. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers will win this division. I'm putting into the prophecy. Last year, I won money on them losing. This year, I'm going to win prophecy points on them winning. Uh, I think this is a team that can win up to 12 games this year. And I think that – Mind if I join you on that prophecy? Join me on it. Join me on it. I, right. I love it because I, I'm looking at three main factors. I'm looking at Mike Tomlin as the first main factor – I know he's a great coach, but I'm hearing John McVay. I'm hearing Kyle Shanahan. I'm hearing, you know, obviously Bill Belichick, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson. 
Jason Garrett. New, but I'm just saying new names. New names are coming into the fold and the forefront as elite coaches in the NFL. And Tomlin is, has succeeded in the regular season, but not has not been able to beat the Patriots, quite frankly. And they've not really been able to get over that hump. And now, like I just went over with the new identity, I just think this is going to be a year where they're really going to put the pieces together, and Tomlin's going to be able to lead that lead this team to what their fan base, you know, deserves and expects. Um, so I'm starting off with them winning the AFC North. I'm going to take the Browns in second. I see the Browns right around eight, eight or nine wins. I don't think that uh, they're going to, you know, I, I, I'm just not necessarily comfortable to, to be able to have them folding too hard or succeeding too well. So I think they're going to kind of have a roller coaster ride of a season and, and maybe have a couple win streaks, a couple losing streaks, ultimately finish second. And I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens to finish in third. I want to pick them higher. Clep, I respect your pick. I think that, you know, Baltimore kind of has turned a page. And if I am indeed wrong about Lamar Jackson, this could be a team that could end up, you know, being the dark horse in this division. But uh, I, I'm just sticking to my guns on my analysis of Lamar Jackson. And, and just, I think he's going to throw them out of a lot of games. I can, I can see them falling to six or seven wins and replacing them next year, to be quite honest, just with how fast paced this league moves. And then I'm going to, you know, like no one or like everyone else, I'm going to, you know, finish the division off with the Bengals and last. I just don't think they have the, they don't have the arsenal on any level really to be making any type of run and they're going to be in the running for a quarter. I mean, do you, thoughts on Zach Taylor, guys. I know we kind of maybe glossed over this with the Bengals, but like, do you even have expectations? Because I don't even know what to expect. I don't know what to expect either, but it goes kind of back to the point with Cliff Kingsbury where it's like, if they if this is their version of trying to hit a home run, then more power to them. I I, I you know I don't know enough about the guy, but I, I think it kind of is a little bit. You can make an assessment that it's just plucking out of the McVeigh pool like a year or two in because he's been so darn good. But I, I just I don't know if he's some type of savant or quarterback whisperer. But I guess we'll see within the next year. I mean I uh, I think that they potentially are set up. You know, with, without them trading A.J. Green to run a similar system that McVay does in L.A. when you have Green, Boyd, and, and everyone's favorite receiver, John Ross, and then you have Joe Mixon, and you can run. I feel like you can make a lot of things easier for Andy Dalton. So I guess my expectations for him is just to run. as It's going to be my expectations for Kingsbury, my expectations for Lafleur, All of these new offensive quarterbacks, I mean uh, coaches, I want to see how efficiently their offense is running and what type of systems they're running and with how much success are they running it. So – I think that you can have a positive outlook on the season for the Bengals if they, you know, lose some close games and run a semi-efficient offense with less talent. Fair enough. So that's the AFC North for 2019. Should be one of the more exciting divisions in football to watch uh, for sure. Thank you always for, for tuning in to us.